Well, good morning. The mic is on. That's a good start. It's such a blessing to uh, dive into the Word of God together this morning. Um, And I invite you to turn to Psalm 1 in your Bible. It's uh, on page 8 in the bulletin and page number 448 in the Pew Bible. And you also may have it memorized in that case you don't need to turn anywhere. All right. So if you could um, follow as I read along this morning. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, for your word. Um, thank you for the psalm. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom you have called us to yourself and uh, in whom you have recon- reconciled us to yourself. And uh, thank you that we get to hear about your word and about you this morning and your law and your ways for us. And Pray that you would uh, make this a blessing, that you would feed us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was the monsoon season back home in India. Um, for those of you who don't know what that means, it means it rains and it pours. But usually the tradition where I grew up um, is once the first rain comes, you start planning treks or hikes. And you go to these hills outside the city where everything is suddenly all green and lush, and it's a wonderful time. The weather is cool, um, and, and you enjoy these beautiful hikes around the city. And so um, my friends and I, when I was, I don't know, maybe 18 years old, we decided to go together uh, for this hike. There were a few of us, and one friend in particular, the older one, oldest one, he, uh, he suggested that we go to this hill called Duke's Nose. Uh, and it was called that because right on top of the hill there was a rock in the shape of a nose that was jutting out. And that's, it's very famous around my city. And so we were like, that sounds like a great idea. So we, we got going, and that day in particular, um, there was a lot of fog. It was really thick. You couldn't see more than uh, 10 feet ahead of, uh, of you. And so we started. It was great weather. We were like, it'll clear up by the time we go up, and we'll be able to see the beautiful um, sceneries there. And so we started hiking, and we were following this leader who had been up Duke's nose before, uh, I mean, on the hill. Uh, and then we were following him, he said he knew the way, and he, and he was very confident. And so we, we found ourselves walking on this road, and then we had to turn to a path. Um, he seemed a little shaky, because obviously there was fog. 
and he couldn't really tell if it was the right path. But he's like, yeah, I think it's this one. I think it's this one. Let's go. So we went up, and we trusted him fully. Uh, and as we went along, he said, oh, I remember these rocks here, and I remember that tree there. And okay, we're on the right track. Let's go. We went, and we climbed this hill, and it was, the fog was still there. It was thick as ever. And we kept walking on the top of this hill, and there was no rock. Um, we were like, where did that rock go? Um, so we, we decided to eat lunch, which was my favorite part of the trek. Um, and as we warmed up our food, uh, we lit a fire and stuff, and we were eating, and that's, I'll never forget that scene. The fog started clearing all of a sudden. And we were like, wow, this is great. Now we can look for the rock. And we're sitting there on this hill. There's a valley, and then there's another hill. And right ahead of us was Dew Snows. <laughs> and um, so my friends were like, oh, it's there. Let's go down and climb up again. I was like, I came for one hike today, not two. <laughs> yeah, it was probably because of me that we ended up going home. But that is kind of the picture. And this is not saying anything about my friends, okay? It's the kind of the picture of the path of the wicked in Psalm 1. There's two paths that we find. One is of the wicked. They end up in the wrong destination because they're on the wrong path. Um, and the other path is the way of the righteous in this psalm. And that's uh, very much like, you know, Pilgrim's Progress that you may have read. Um, it's a path of great difficulty, but it, in the end, it leads to the celestial city. It leads to a great blessing. The path of the wicked, on the other hand, seems great. The weather is amazing. There's beautiful sceneries everywhere. Uh, everyone's noticing you. And then you end up in the wrong place eventually. And there's just these two paths, really. There's no middle ground. It's either the path of the righteous or the blessed. In verse 1, um, the blessed that you find in verse 1 are also found in the congregation of the righteous in verse 5. And so you have the path of the righteous or you have the path of the wicked. And so uh, let's, let's start in verse 1. Seems like a good place to start. It says, blessed is the man. And it talks about this person, man or woman, blessed person. And it tells us, some characteristics about this blessed person. And you know, there's three, right? Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. This is what the blessed person or blessed man does not do. Does not do these three things. You, and, and, and for those um, uh, who've studied this before, you've obviously noticed that there's this uh, progression from, from walking to standing and sitting. Um, it's a backwards progression, um, uh, and it's, it's you're, you're slowing down, you're getting used to this environment, and then you finally just uh, camp out there. And, and the word for sit there is really dwell. Um, uh, it could be translated dwell as well. So, so this man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's kind of the starting point, right? It's, it's only counsel. Um, it's just, I'm just listening. There's no harm in listening to what people have to say. I mean, you've got to respect everyone's opinion, right? Um, no harm done here. No one knows about it. You know, I'm just, just being influenced a little bit, just giving a year. And then soon, sooner or later, you find that uh, the person that listens to the counsel of the wicked also uh, begins to hang around a little bit in the presence of sinners, in the fellowship of sinners. Um, that, that place starts becoming familiar. And, and sinners are those who consistently uh, engage in law-breaking. It's a habit. 
they're comfortable with it, and the one who goes down this road will find themselves being comfortable in the presence of, of sinners. Um, there's nothing that, that jars them um, and that makes them want to move. And finally, the, the third stage, and it's, it's, it's rather serious, is, is the seat of scoffers. Um, uh, scoffers, uh, uh, I used to think of people who laugh a lot, uh, but really it is those who are in, in rebellion against God who raise their fist against God and say, I got this life. This is my life. I'm going to do it the way I want. They make a law for themselves. It is those who engage in unbridled sinning without any fear of consequence from God. And that's truly a, a very sad place to be in, right? Um, and, and the question is, on which planet do you find these people? It's planet Earth, right? This is the world that we live in. Um, it's out there, um, not just in, in, in certain streets of the city. It's everywhere, whether it's, it's overtly present in, in high-handed rebellion against God, or it's silent, well, I got this life figured out. I'll just keep my own law. I'll make a law for myself. Who cares about the law of God? I have this figured out. People think I'm a good person. Either way, it is shunning God's law and making a law for ourselves. Uh, and and, and in, in doing that, we say, you know, who cares about God? That's truly a sad place to be. And, and so the blessed one, the righteous one, stays very clear from that place, from that path, because he knows, the person knows that that's a slippery slope. It doesn't stop. Can't have one foot on this path and one foot on the other. Um, and so this, this blessed person, this righteous person, uh, stays well clear, uh, uh, stays very clear from this, this influence uh, of the wicked. Uh, these righteous people, these blessed people, are those who are in the world but are not of the world. Um, they, they care um, about what? They care about the law of God. Verse 2, his delight. This person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, he meditates day and night. It tells us a lot about this person. Um, firstly, uh, this person finds uh, their counsel um, not in, in, in the, the ideas of wicked people, um, but in the law of God. They go to God for their counsel. Uh, and, and they go to God for direction of how they must live. And it meditates day and night. How do you do that? Who does that? Meditate day and night. I mean, we've got jobs to do, right? We've got families to take care of. Um, and it, it's just amazing that this, it, it, the picture is of this person has their mind dominated by the word of God and not the ideas of the world. Uh, it's, it's so soaked in uh, God's wisdom through his word and, and his, this person's entire way of viewing the world. It's from God's perspective and God's law. And, and what a great thing to have in a world that is, is absolutely against God is to have God's law to guide us, right? To show us uh, what God desires and what God wants. And so this person, is, is, his mind is dominated by the thoughts of God. Uh, uh, the law of God does not occupy one corner of this person's life or few minutes of this person's day, but is, is, is always in the, in the command center. God is there directing this person's life. Uh, and now um, the question is, what is the law of God that's been spoken of here, right? And that's a good question because we could say that it's the Ten Commandments, 
Um, in a narrow sense, it is, of course. It's the law of God. But this is also shorthand for, in the broadest sense, the entire word of God. One common commentator says, the whole scripture is nothing less than an exposition of the law of God. And so, this blessed man's mind is filled with the law of God, that is the, the, the entire word of God. And if you think of it, when, when, when this, this psalm was written uh, in Israel, they had the law of God that they call the Torah, right? The, the Pentateuch, the fancy word, the first five books of the Bible. And, and the, uh, within that, you have the Ten Commandments given right there in the middle in Deuteronomy, uh, in Exodus. And uh, uh, the law, the Ten Commandments, are not separate from the story of redemption that you find in the first five books of the Bible. Right? They're, they're enshrined within that. God saves Israel from the land of Egypt. And he gives them a promised land. And he makes a covenant with them. And then he gives them this law that they must keep. Uh, the law of God is not separate from his work in our lives. His work of redemption, his work of saving. God saves us and, 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 and gives us this law. Um, and, and so, I'm sure this, this blessed person is not just seeing a checklist of, of the things that they must do, but is seeing the story of God's redemption. Uh, this blessed person receives the law, not from um, a cold judge, um, but from a loving father. Uh, here, here, son, this is, uh, you are my son, and, and here's what I want you to do. My, I love you. Uh, my, my, all that is mine is yours. Um, I, I'll, I'll give my life for you. And, and here's, here's, here's my law. Uh, here's what I expect. And we receive it from, uh, from not a tyrant king, uh, but a loving uh, king who lays down his life for his people. It's hard to find a king like that, isn't it? And so this, this is the law that, that, that we receive. Um, and, and sure enough, uh, this person, this blessed man's delight, delight is in the law of the Lord. That's how we know it's not simply a checklist um, to calm his conscience. It's not just a, a set of good suggestions uh, to make his life better. Um, but it is his delight is in the law of the Lord. He loves God's law because he loves God. He loves uh, his Father, his Heavenly Father. Um, he loves his Savior and he receives his law. And that's the hard attitude of this blessed person. Um, he, for his counsel... He goes to God um, for his fellowship. He finds that in God's people, those who are also along with, this, uh, with him redeemed uh, from sin, right? And his attitude is one of delight in God's law. He's not like the scoffers who, who raise their fist in rebellion. His heart is, is, is glad and is, is in, the, in, in an, an attitude of receiving God's law with thankfulness. Um, and that's... that's just the posture that this person has. Um, this blessed person who loves the law was not only uh, your average Joe in Israel. It was specifically the king of Israel. Uh, long before Israel asked for a king, way back in Deuteronomy 17, God made stipulations of what that king should be when that king came on the scene. The king of Israel. Uh, Israel, and he said, and then God said that this king must write a, a copy of the law and keep it with him, and read it every day to do it, to obey it, 
And, and so this delight in the law was to be exemplified uh, by the king of Israel. And that's very interesting because all the nations around at that time, the king made the laws. But in Israel, the king received the law from God. God was a true king. Uh, and, and so not just the king, but all the people of Israel and even us uh, as those who are redeemed, uh, who have been uh, taken out of the domain of darkness and transferred to the domain of Christ, um, uh, we, we have received um, the law, the story of redemption, and also the commands of God. And, and not only that, but we received a new heart that doesn't hate God's law anymore, but delights in God's law. I, I'm not saying that, that we are absolutely perfect in keeping the law. Um, and we're so great, you know, people should be looking at us and going, that is a law keeper completely. No. But our hearts are changed. Uh, you know, we may have been those, um, and, and surely in my case, who, who made an external show of being good people on track, didn't do anything blatantly wrong. But in, in our hearts, we, what is this law? Why do I have to do this? You know, why, why, why do I have to love my neighbor? Why can't I love myself? You may have not said that, but you may have felt that. And, but, by, by God's grace, there's this new heart that has been given to delight in the law of the Lord. And, and this tells us that what we're talking about here is not the way to become righteous before God, but it is the way of the righteous. Those who have been declared righteous by God. The the, the, what's happened here is not that the wicked have got themselves out of this path and got themselves on the path of righteousness. Um, but that God has taken them out. And it will become clear as we go along in the psalm and, and put them on this path of righteousness. God has intervened and said, these are mine people and I will give my son for them. So this is not the way to become righteous through law keeping. Uh, it is the way of the righteous who are already declared righteous in Christ. And that's the only way we can make it, right? I mean, which of us are going to stand before a holy and righteous and pure God who cannot even look on sin and say, I have kept your law, Lord. I, I deserve to go into heaven. Like, move out. Get, get these people out of the way. I'm the one who deserves to go. No, we'll all be like shrinking in shame uh, at that moment. And, and we'll be crying out, we need a savior. Lord, help us. And, and God has helped you. And, and if you are believing in Christ this morning, he has redeemed you and put you on this path of righteousness that you were not on before, that you didn't care about. God has done it. Uh, this is our destiny. This is our path to walk in the righteous ways of the Lord uh, by the help of the Spirit, um, the Spirit that, same Spirit that gives us a new heart, also uh, indwells us to, to help us uh, delight in God's law and meditate on His law. Um, so often we look at, 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 at the law and think of it as something that we can prove ourselves by but one of the, I think one of the telltale signs of someone who's delighting, of a Christian who's delighting in the law, is that it's not so much that that person knows how to find faults in someone else, but the one, the Christian who truly delights in the law of the Lord, engages in regular confession of sin and realizes, I have blown it again. I cannot keep these high standards. Um, no, I, I you know, my, my best efforts, I keep falling short. And, and so the Christian and this, this blessed person who's in Christ, um, 
engages in, in regular confession and also um, grows in this desire to pursue holiness. And those are like two sides of the same coin, right? You confess that you can't keep God's law. You receive Christ's forgiveness, uh, knowing that God is just and faithful to forgive. And then you say, Lord, help me now. Help me do this. Um, that's the life of the believer. Um, we love God's law and we say, yes, the law is good. Um, not because we're perfectly keeping it, but we, we realize that we fall short as well. Um, and, and clearly, um, this is not the way to become righteous before God. Let me say that again, but the way of the righteous. Because uh, another thing is, like, if you keep reading the Psalms, you'll come to Psalm 32, 1, that also talks about the blessed man in a different way. And what does Psalm 32, 1 say? Anyone? Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. You can't earn this blessedness for yourself by your law-keeping. Your sins must be forgiven before you can walk the path of righteousness uh, in Christ. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. And if that describes you this morning, um, you may be crawling on that path this morning. But in Christ, God sees you as righteous. You're going to be standing in the congregation of the righteous. Um, and, and by His Spirit, He's going to help you um, love his law, and desire more and more to obey his law. And, and so we've seen the, the attitude of the wicked is this high-handed rebellion towards God and his law. They want to set up their own law. And the attitude of the righteous, the, the, those who are in Christ, they love God's law. Their heart has been changed. Um, let's also look at what they accomplish um, in verses 3 and 4. Uh, and and this, this beautiful picture of, of a tree Planted by streams of water. Uh, my whole life, when I've been reading this verse, I've been thinking of this Edenic scene. Okay? And there's this lush green garden with a stream. You know? There's, there's, it's, it's undisturbed. And there's a stream running around, uh, along it. And then this big tree that's planted right by the stream and has put its roots down. And it's bearing this awesome fruit. But really... Um, the, the, the word for streams is also used for canals. Am I saying that right? Canals that have been dug out in a dry land to provide irrigation, right? You don't, drink, you don't dig canals in a land that is evergreen and, and well watered, right? It's in a dry land that you, you make canals and you plant these trees there. Some, someone has done that. They've dug out this canal and they've planted this tree. By the way, the tree has been planted. The tree didn't just walk, get up one day and then like, oh, I like that place. This is the way of the righteous. I'm going to plant myself here and let my roots down. No. Someone's done that to that tree. Someone's nurturing that tree. Someone's digging a canal for that tree and making sure that tree is nourished. And we know that's God who's doing that in our lives, is nourishing us in a dry land. Uh, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not just saying that because it's hot right now, but because our life, we live in this spiritually dry land planet earth um, we don't get nourished by the world around us all that is in the world is what the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and pride of life this world is hostile not only that our remaining sin doesn't make it any easier um, uh, to live uh, in this dry land but god takes care of this tree um, in 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 profound ways um, through his word through his law and through his spirit he makes sure that this tree is nourished and is bearing fruit. 
and bears fruit in its season. It's not, I don't think it's just talking about one month in a whole year, this tree is going to bear fruit. And the reason why I don't think that's the case, because its leaf does not wither. Throughout the year, it's, it's lush and green and bearing fruit. I'll never forget, um, I was much younger than when I went on the hike. I was, I can't remember. Um, I was just probably in, just heading into my teens, but um, my family took a trip down to the southern part of India. We live central, grew up in the central part most of my life, inland. So we went uh, more southern, closer to the equator. It gets hotter there, really hot, like it's here, but it's also humid. And um, I remember seeing the mango trees down there. The mango trees where I grew up grew really tall, and there was this huge trunk that you had to climb. Uh, I would let my friends do it, and they would, you would have to, <laughs> that's why those trees are still there. Uh, you would have to climb up the tree, and the mangoes were really high to reach, um, you know, and someone had to go there with a stick and, and get those down. And so, to my pleasant surprise, when I went down there to the southern part of India, you found mango trees that grew close to the ground. And they had mangoes the size of a toddler's head. I'm not kidding. They were that big. And, and they were all over the tree. And I have seen the branches of the tree coming down to the ground with a mango. That's the kind of tree we're talking about. Um, and, and this, this, you may not feel that way, <laughs> that they're that kind of a tree. But by God's grace, he's working in us to bear fruit uh, for his glory. It's a tree that, that, that is fruitful in season. And, and coming back to that, in season, it's really in time. When the time is there for that tree to bear fruit, when it's necessary to bear fruit, that tree bears fruit. And what fruit are we talking about, apart from mangoes? It's, it's, I, I, the Bible doesn't leave us clueless about this. It, uh, Paul picks up on this, and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Remember that one? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the fulfillment of the law because he goes on to say against such things, there is no law. Um, Law-keeping looks like that. It's fruit-bearing. Um, and fruit-bearing so that others can enjoy that fruit. Um, it's not fruit-bearing to show how great you look, um, but so that others can bear that fruit. It's the fruit of good works and, and bearing these characteristics that, that we just read about. It's love toward God and love toward neighbor. That's what God is causing to grow from that tree. Um, in the midst of a dry land, God is nurturing that tree to bear that fruit. It's impossible for that tree to do that in that environment. But the Lord is doing it. There's supernatural power at work here. Um, the God of the universe has, has redeemed his people and taken them from fruitless people to fruit-bearing people for his glory. So that they, they share the love of Christ in their fruit-bearing. Uh, fruit um, they, gl they glorify Christ and they glorify God. And they bless others. In their season, when there's need for that fruit, that fruit is there. Isn't that amazing? Think, think of the hard times in your life, uh, even now as a believer. And think of that same hardship that came years before, um, uh, when, when, when you did not trust in Christ. Your reactions are different now. They're not perfect. But they're different. What's going on? New birth. New life. Fruit bearing is going on. The work of the Spirit is going on. 
There's a reason it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is bearing that fruit in our lives through the Word of God and the means of God's care in our lives. It's wonderful. God is doing that. And, and this wonderful line there at the end of verse 3, in all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. And it's really prosperity in whose eyes? Not the eyes of the world. Not the eyes of your neighbor. It's in the eyes of God. God looks on that fruit and says, years ago, this is not the fruit that Aaron would bear in this situation. But this is my work through my son and my spirit. And God delights in that. You, if you, God uh, sees that as prosperity. Faith and good works are the currency in God's economy. Not in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes. That's what true success is measured by. Faith and good works in God's eyes. Uh, you could go to the Forbes billionaire list and you'll see names like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Warren Buffett and people like that. But they don't appear in, in God's book. They're fruitless in God's book. They, they've, they've got a significant amount of debt that they can't clear. It's his people, his children that are there. And they're fruitful. They're successful in God's eyes. And that's in all that he does, he prospers. And, and, and so uh, from looking at this wonderful tree, we look at what the wicked are. The wicked are like a, a tree that is withered. No, that's not the picture here. It's not the, a fruitful tree versus a fruitless tree. It's a fruitful tree versus chaff or husk. It's, 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 it's profoundly unproductive. There's nothing you can use that for. You can't eat it. Trust me, you cannot eat it. And neither can you burn it. it burn it. It's, it's not going to burn very long. Before it hits the ground, it'll stop burning. You know, it's, it's, that's the image. They're absolutely fruitless. They may have this image um, in, in the eyes of the world of being these successful um, people. But in God's eyes, they, there's no success there. There's nothing to look at. It's... it's it's wind, it's, it's, it's vanity. Uh, you know, it, the, the picture is of, of, of uh, grain, um, the way you separate grain from, from the covering, uh, the chaff is you go to a cliff and you, and you drop it and, and the wind blows the chaff off the cliff while the, while the grain collects down at the bottom because it's heavier. And, and um, the chaff is just, just blown away. We don't need that thing. Don't even collect it. Uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the wicked that's the picture of the wicked. There's, there's nothing much to look at here. I mean, I can't go on talking about this. We could talk about that tree all day, but the wicked, like, they're just not so. That's the best thing you can say about them. They're like chaff, you know. Um, uh, so the, the righteous are the, are the fruit-bearing people. And please don't hear me say that um, you now need to start bearing more fruit to become saved. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, your fruit bearing is, is not going to save you. Your fruit bearing um, is not going to make you righteous before God. Your fruit bearing is not going to calm your guilty conscience. It's only the blood of Christ that can do that. It's powerful. The death of Christ on your behalf, his resurrection, his life, his righteousness for you is what you need to be put on this path of fruit bearing to give him glory. Um, it's, it's, you know, um, 
they're, the, the ones who are saved are like fruitful trees because they show that God is at work. The chaff, the wicked show that there's no work of the Spirit in there. It never happened. It was never there. Um, but the fruit-bearing tree shows the work of God um, through Christ and through His, through his Spirit. Um, you know, again, it's not the way to become righteous before God. It is the way of those who are righteous. What a blessed way. What, 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 what a great gift God has given us. How gracious that he's made us um, uh, those who bear fruit for his glory. That, that, that's a humbling thought because we lived all our lives before we were saved, bearing, uh, trying to be those who do things for our own good. But by God's grace, for the first time, we become those who excel in love, joy, peace, and so on for the good of others around us. They get the benefit and God gets the glory uh, from this. God is turning profoundly selfish people into selfless people. That's supernatural work of God. Uh, he's doing it with you. And it's, it's hard because most of the time we can't see it in our own lives. But those around you can see it. Uh, over years, those around you begin to see it. Uh, uh, maybe there's times of great trial that come and suddenly you find yourself thinking about others than yourself. You find your ways looking, your, yourself looking for ways to serve other people in the midst of trial, in, in, in a dry and weary land where there's no relief. Uh, God is making you this person who thinks about his glory and, 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 and puts others before themselves. I can't do that on my own. It's God's work. It's God's work in us. That's wonderful, right? And that leads us not just to the, we've looked at the hard attitudes, we've looked at the accomplishments of the righteous and the wicked. Now we see the final assessment that God has in verses 5 and 6. Um, God is going to have something to say about the righteous and something to say about the wicked. Uh, we know that uh, when, he, when he brings uh, everyone to judgment and, and what it says about the wicked is like they were, they were the chaff that flew away from the cliff, right? And so they're, they're not going to remain. They're not going to, they're not going to be found standing in the congregation uh, of the righteous. Uh, I was talking to my professor who is, um, uh, he's, he's an archaeologist, and he showed us maps of Jerusalem and things like that. And sure enough, the, the temple uh, in Jerusalem was built on a cliff, and that used to be a threshing floor. Um, um, and and in, the, in the mind of the Israelites, that picture would have been clear. It's the righteous that are going to be up there. The wicked are going to be blown away. Yeah, we want to be up there. Uh, and, 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 and praise God that he's chosen a people for himself to save, to redeem, um, and to be in his presence forever. The wicked will not stand in judgment. Uh, the, why? Because they are fruitless. They are not nourished by God's means of care. They hate God's law. They are lawbreakers by nature. And they have replaced God's law with their own. Therefore, they will not stand in judgment. Um, uh, they, they will not be established uh, among God's people. Uh, the judgment uh, we're talking about is going to be the one that reveals those who are God's people and those who are not. And, and those who are God's people will be seen to be so. Uh, we don't look anything special in the world right now. Uh, I speak for myself. Uh, you know, it's... it's uh, the world doesn't say, wow, there's a Christian. Whoa, look at that guy. But uh, it's going to be seen that day. Uh, we're going to be seen. 
uh, for who we are. We are children of God right now. And that day will become even as clear as, as noonday that who we really are. And, and, and the fact that God has saved for himself a people that were engaging in sin, uh, that were once like this. God has redeemed us. God has saved us. Uh, the righteous will be rewarded and the wicked will fall and be condemned. Um, and so that's then. But what about now? What about now? Um, you know, uh, what does that do for me now? Uh, you know, there's verse 6. If you want to know what it does for you now. Uh, in the meantime, as we wait that day, God has not forgotten his righteous ones. Whom he has called in Christ. You are united to Christ. Um, um, God, God will not forsake you even now. It says God knows the way of the righteous. God knows the way of the righteous. Uh, the way of the righteous that we saw was like the pilgrim's progress. Way of, of hardship and trial. And um, loneliness at times. And uh, great pain and sorrow. But God is on that way. God keeps an eye on that path. God keeps an eye on those who are on that path. He, he, he's there. He loves that. He loves that way. He, he will meet you on that way as you walk um, by faith. He's near to you. The word know, uh, we all know, is, is, talks about intimacy in the Bible. He's intimately acquainted. Um, he, he gladly approves of that way. Uh, he's drawn towards you. He's drawn towards you. Yes, you. Because he's already washed you in the blood of his son. Um, you don't repel him anymore. Um, there's nothing that you have done that can, can um, cause him to go away from you. He draws near. He sees you. Like a loving father holds his child and when the child is in pain, your father holds you. All is forgiven. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to that cross. Our Father is near. Our Savior is near. He's walked this path before us. He doesn't call us to do anything that He's not done already. He doesn't call us to walk in a path of sorrow and pain that He hasn't walked already. He was made like one of us to, to bear the burdens that we bear and far more than we could bear. And he is with us. He holds our hands with his own nail-pierced hands. Our Lord is near. What about the wicked? Um, the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. It doesn't say the wicked will perish, although that is true. We know that's true. It doesn't say that this way of wickedness leads to perishing, although that's true. It says the way of the wicked, this lifestyle that this world uh, reveres and, 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 is, uh, and lives, this, this way of, of, of rebellion against God in all sorts of ways will not be found in the new heaven and the new earth. Ultimately, this lifestyle will not be there. There will not be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That will be gone when Christ comes again and makes all things new, um, you're not going to be living, or the, no one in that 
new creation, new heaven and new earth will be living in this way. That, that way itself will perish. We all will perfectly live out what God has called us to live out. In the meantime, we, we as, as those who have been called by God, as those who have been transplanted into this new way of righteousness uh, by the work of God in Christ, those who have our sins forgiven by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. What do we do? How do we walk? Well, we, we enjoy being nourished by God's way uh, of, of caring for us. And that, that involves simple things. His word, whether it's read or heard, it involves the fellowship of the saints around you, whom the Lord has placed you in your life and where he has planted you. Uh, he's also going to nourish you uh, through his spirit, through his word, through his people. Even things like the Lord's Supper that we're going to partake in a few minutes. He's going to remind us of his, his covenant faithfulness and love and his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Uh, all these things have been given to us. The prayers of the saints. How many of you have told, uh, told me this morning that you've been praying? I mean, that's so awesome. He's nourishing us. We, we don't need all these um, flamboyant miracles and things to know that God is at work. He's at work in simple ways. He's dug out, he's dug out that canal near you. That, that water is flowing. Drink deep. Uh, your Lord, the Lord hasn't forgotten that we are in a dry and weary land. He'll come again and he'll make all things new. Let me leave you with this. Because of God's work, if the righteous bear fruit in a dry land right now, in a dry and weary land right now, how much more will our fruit abound in the lush and evergreen land of the new heaven and the new earth? It's coming. Our Lord is coming. Let's pray. Thank you, uh, Father, for this amazing work that we're, you're doing in us. We are not worthy. Yet you have chosen us uh, in your Son before the world began. You have chosen to save us, to redeem us, to forgive us, to, to cleanse us, to declare us righteous, to sanctify us by the work of your Spirit through your Word. And you have chosen to have us stand in the congregation of the righteous, sharing in your glory. Help us on this path. Help us in this dry and weary land to bear fruit, not so that we look good, but Christ looks good. Uh, Lord, continue your work in us more and more. Uh, uh, may, may our fruit abound to your glory and the good of our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.